another amazing patron-requested episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And, and as I mentioned just a second ago, this is a patron-requested episode. Uh, this is picked to us by Mentheon, uh, who actually, uh, episodes and episodes ago, uh, requested we covered uh, Young Merlin. Uh, this, thankfully, not Young Merlin, but also on the Super mm. Nintendo. We're going to look at Secret of Mana, uh, which you can play on the Super Nintendo Classic if, if you have one of those laying around. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, Billy, what have you been playing since our last show? Uh, you know what I've done. You damn well know what I've been playing. I've been playing heavily through this Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, I, I, I don't have enough good... I mean, we dedicated a whole episode uh, of us just gushing over the thing. I continued playing it. I did conclude it. Um, God, was it yesterday? Uh, finished that up, kicked back in. You know, I, I sat it aside and I was like, all right, you know, that, that was good. That was amazing. I'm eagerly anticipating the next. Now I can move on. Uh, what I moved on to is playing through it all over again in hard mode, apparently. So that's, that's another, uh, I mean, on hard, I expect to, to die multiple times. That's, that's at least another good 60 hours right there. That could have been spent on other things, uh, but it's going to be spent on this. Otherwise, I mean, I you know I'm still just doing my Animal Crossing thing. It's certainly um, I've settled into my usual Animal Crossing routine. You know, the little you know the 10, 15 minute in the morning check in, and then you maybe pop on like a half hour in the evening, get my fossils together and all that. So I play them hours at a time the first couple weeks and then it, it switches into maintenance but still having a blast with it i just you know I, i'm limited on the things that i really need to do on there right now uh I, between those two and between work I, it hasn't left uh, a lot of time for me really there are other games out there on my radar there are other things i'd like to be playing um but it's just you know a, a couple of really solid ass games came out very close to each other so that's got me hooked in yeah i'm in the same place i played a lot of both of those games but as we did dedicate the last two bonus episodes to both of those games animal crossing Mm -hmm. and final fantasy 7 remake i don't have much else to say other than i'm still enjoying them uh my my son has decided that his new goal in life is to keep me Uh playing um luigi's mansion 3 there's a mode on there where you basically play randomized <laughs> levels over and over again, and they're extremely short on time. It's like you get five minutes to clear out a floor, and you can find little clocks that give you so a little bit of extra time, but it's not really enough. And uh, and he's in love with that because apparently you can find rare ghosts, so he wants to mm. do that. And, and that's all we've done. That's all I've been able to play. If I'm not playing one of those two games, because he does like Animal Crossing as well, uh, that he's mm-hmm. making me play Luigi's Mansion over and over again, and then when I have time to myself, it's Final Fantasy VII. Uh, the only other thing, and I think I mentioned this last time, is I've started yet again Persona 3 on my uh, on my Vita, or on PSP, I guess, on the Vita. And it, it's great. I'm enjoying it. But uh, I think I've talked about Persona 3, 4, and 5 more than anything else other than maybe Monster Hunter. So kind of same, same old that I've played for a while, but uh, I definitely put a lot of time into into the game we're going to talk about this week. But what have you been playing, Jeremy? Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I, mean, yep, I think that's I mean, pretty safe. No different than Billy. Like, I finished it, uh, and I've also started on my second run-through of, of it. And uh, even on my second run-through, I'm finding little things that I mm-hmm. totally missed. Uh, and that combat system is so deep, and, and there's so much materia that I'm, tr- I'm like, playing complete, almost completely different than what I did the first yes. time through. And it really does uh, completely change up, uh, uh, you know, how that how you play that game. Uh 
I, I always have my go-to materia for that first time, you know, what I did in the original. But uh, this time I'm kind of focusing on more like poison and uh, little things mm. like that, debuffs and uh, just seeing how that works or, or uh, you know, sorting out my characters better now that I know when they'll actually be part of the party and when they won't be. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having just as much fun playing it through it this time and uh, trying to get all those all those damn dresses uh, mm. or, or at least mm -hmm. seeing them all uh, for, for Aerith and Cloud in that that lovely moment in uh was it chapter <laughs> chapter eight or chapter nine or whatever yes. it is uh god it's so good uh but yes uh, we i think we've talked enough about final fantasy 7 uh now we should probably talk about another square game yeah an earlier square game uh which we'll get into right now secret of mana uh for the super nintendo Billy, have you played this game before this podcast? Uh, my time with this game has been a little bit limited. Um, I knew about it. Uh, it, it at the time, you know, when the Super Nintendo, when this one popped up, I, it just it didn't strike me kind of a, as the game for me. I just, I you know, what I saw of it didn't interest me a lot. Uh, but I did, I had a friend that just played this. If you came over to his house, this was this was being played. And, you know, I sat down and, and I checked it out several times. And we we did a little, uh, you know, co-op on there, which we'll talk about that. It's pretty neat. And still, at the same time, I felt like I kind of got enough experience. I didn't feel like it was something I needed to pick up for myself and, and play at home. But no, um, not a lot of time put into it. Just, you know, an hour or so here and there. It's mainly, I know this game as background noise. And, and very pleasant background noise. Um, but yeah, even on the classic, I was, I was excited it was on there. But still have not played it until it came time to, to review it for this. I'm kind of in the same boat. I had... I mean, it's a game that, that was out when I was selling video games. Like, it was it was a big game. Everyone's like, oh, have you guys played Secret of Mana? And, of course, you know, if you're working at a game store, you're just going to lie. Like, oh, yeah, I love Secret of Mana. I played it all the time. I'd never played more than the first 15 minutes of Secret of Mana until this podcast. Even when I got the Super Nintendo Classic, I was very excited. But then, I, you know, mm -hmm. I threw other games on there and, and put other things on the, on the way I wanted to play more importantly and, and games for this podcast. So I just never really got around to getting mm -hmm. past the first 15 minutes. In fact, up until this podcast, I'd never gotten to a point where I had a companion in the game. So when mm. everyone said, oh, it's a great multiplayer game, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is a, <laughs> a very cut-and-dry kind of Zelda-y game with some other mechanics. But no, it, it, it definitely grows out from there, and I can see how this would be super, super fun multiplayer, uh, and we will get into that. But Jeremy, did you play this before? Uh, yeah, you're going to have to uh, just excuse me for this podcast because out of mm. all the games that we've done, on, on for this podcast this one is the one that is going to be the most blinding for me as far as just sheer nostalgia <laughs> uh this may be the most nostalgic game that i have ever played uh, i remember when i got it 
Uh, it was my birthday. My mom said I could buy any game I wanted. And mm. at that point, I had already been looking at Secret of Mana in the magazines for months. Uh, I was a huge Square Squaresoft fan, and I knew what I wanted. And so when we went to Walmart uh, after church one Sunday, uh, I pointed to that, and her heart, her heart sank. Because I don't know if you guys remember how much uh, Squaresoft RPGs were back in the day. <laughs> uh, they were not cheap. And uh, this one was ringing up, I think, about 80 bucks. Mm, oh, I don't, shit. I don't think my mom uh, <laughs> was figuring that in when she said, you know, she was expecting me to get one of the regular $50, $60 games. But, of course, I, I point to Secret of Mana with its $79.99 price tag there mm. at Walmart. She was like, oh, God. Um, <laughs> We did not go to the restaurant that she said afterward. Instead, we went to McDonald's uh, because, yeah. and that's probably why. Uh, still, I played that game with my cousin uh, over the course of, of months. Maybe not months. Yeah, I guess months. Yeah, we played it for, for months, and it was just, it's one of those things that I remember even like specific days when we played certain parts of that game. Uh, so it's really going to be hard for me to come at this from an, an objective standpoint and not just be like, this is one of my favorite games of all time. Mm. Uh, I tried, you know, playing it this time to see how it was and there, you know, it's, it hasn't aged well. Uh, but you know, still every time I, I turn that game on and, and hear that music, that little startup when, you know, when the mana tree comes on, uh, with the flamingos and shit flying by goddamn, that is, <laughs> that is a special moment. Well, Secret of Mana came out in 1993 for the Super Nintendo, and it's actually the second game in the, the Mana series. The first game that came out uh, in the U.S. as Final Fantasy Adventure, uh, the actual name in, in Japanese is Seiken Densetsu, and so, of course, this is Seiken Densetsu 2. But the uh, Final Fantasy Adventure is a game I did play. I own Final Fantasy Adventure. I played through it the whole way. I remember it being a, a Zelda with some magic and some RPG elements. It definitely had a lot of Final Fantasy in the game, like there were chocobos, and they had the ethers and all the items you'd find in a Final Fantasy game at that point in time, so Final Fantasy 2 slash 4, depending where you lived. And uh, and so I, I already was like, oh, okay, well, I, I've played a game like this before, and it's been a long time. I mean, the, the original game came out in 1991, and I had it when it was new, so it's been, you know, it's been almost 30 years since I played the original uh, Seiken Densetsu, and, and so I, I just remember it as a really good Zelda. So when this starts up, you are... You know, a, a single character. It's got a very, very generic story to start the game off. You're, you know, someone's got a, a magical sword that's somehow stuck in in this rock in a lake, and you go free it, and all of a sudden, there's a curse that hits your town, more or less, or at least it seems that way, so you get banished from your town, and you're on your own, and, you know, you're walking around. The only abilities you have are to swing your sword, which, unlike a Zelda game, once you swing your sword in this game, a little meter builds up for your power. So if you sit there and keep swinging your sword as fast as you can, you're doing little to no damage to everything. You have to let it charge up to 100%, so you do a good amount of damage at the very beginning with your sword. That's the first thing you're going to notice if you go into this as a Zelda game. Uh, secondly, you don't have any, like, a jump button. You've got, uh, like, menus that come up. When you hit the X button, a menu comes up around the screen, and it has, uh, at the beginning, just, like, a, a sword. And there's a, a, you push up, it goes to another wheel of options. That's some items. And you go up to another wheel of options, and that's your options wheel where it has, you know, equip items or see your stats or whatever else. But at the beginning of the game, you don't know what any of this stuff is, uh, especially if you play it without a manual. It's really like, oh, I, well, I don't need to know what this is. I'll figure it out later. And, you know, I spent the first 15 minutes of this game I played over and over and over again for the first <laughs> 30 years of its existence, just thinking that was the whole game, that it would just be a, 
uh, a Zelda where there's kind of a strategy of when to hit your hit your opponents, and there were obviously more weapons and items to buy in, in shops because I did make it to a town. But I, I had no idea how involved this game got, and that there were in fact other characters you could play. Mm. Uh, there's there's a lot going on in it, uh, but I will say that even when I when I first got it back in the day, this was uh, not the smooth actiony kind of Zelda game that I was hoping for. <laughs> This, uh, you know, it is very much Squaresoft's take on an, an action RPG uh, or, you know, kind of a real-time thing. And it's odd. It, Like you said, like just having to sit there and wait for your power to build back up so you can swing your sword and do full damage again uh, was weird enough. And even when you hit the enemies, it doesn't really feel like you're connecting with them a lot of the time. It, it's mm -hmm. just you're swinging your sword over them and then a number pops up and then they might react from that like a second or two later or something. Uh, it's the strangest feeling game to play. Uh, and if you don't get used to it really quickly, then you're probably just going to be like, oh, man, this is this is not great. Back then, I loved it. Uh, once I got used to it, you know, by the time I got to the first town, I wanted to play the rest of the game. But, yeah, it's it's a strange it's just an odd feeling game whenever you first play it. It is. And I, you know, I, I do not recall at all from my limited time playing uh, that, that gauge and whatnot. So it, it was tough to get into for me personally. Uh, Cause yeah, it does, you know, kind of the style of it does kind of evoke, you know, that legend of Zelda link to the past. And, and I mean, you just swing the shit out of your sword on there, swing it all you want. Uh, but yeah, on this one, unless that thing is full, I, I, you do God, just a, a fraction of the possible damage that you can. And that I was instantly a little concerned because I, I found that, in my opinion, at least that was adding a lot of time on to just, you know, random little battles that uh, I, I thought was really starting to kind of add up. You know, I, you would hit back off. And it, I mean, we're not talking about a long period of time. It's about maybe what, like a good two seconds before the thing's full again. And, but uh, there was a lot of hitting, a lot of backing up, and a rinse and repeat. Uh, so initially, that kind of threw a flag up for me. And I wasn't sure until I played in this thing for, you know, I had put a good bit of time in. I wasn't sure if that was something I was going to be able to get beyond or not. Uh, I don't know how that was sold on me back when I was playing it years ago. I could not see past me having the patience for such a thing. Well, and it's not just that you, you have that to worry about that gauge to build up to hurt the enemy. In the event that you do hit the enemy and they do get knocked back or just take damage and stand there, they're kind of invulnerable for a few more mm -hmm. seconds. So, you know, it's not even like you can spam it and hit them for one over and over and over again. Yeah. If you do that, you'll swing a bunch and you'll see that every few hits or every few seconds, or not seconds, but maybe once a second, it's like, bam, and they take like a one damage. Bam, they take one damage. Mm -hmm. Or if you let it build up, to the full hundred, they move around. They have a chance to hit you with a projectile if they have a projectile or, or whatever their attack is. But then when you do hit them, it's like fifty damage. Like it's a huge difference in in yeah. waiting to the hundred percent or not. And then again, even if you had uh, later on, we're going to talk about how you have multiple players in this and you can play multiplayer. You can't just keep spamming the same attack on the same person. Like you mm -hmm. have to take your time and let them recover, or it doesn't do anything. So it's it's hard to get used to, and especially if you go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to play Legend of Zelda. A link to the past with you know these other RPG elements. No, you're, yeah. you're not going to enjoy this uh, as much as you think you will. So after you get through the first area, you get to the first town, you start getting a mission. Uh, I I don't want to give away, and there's not a lot of story to give away here. It's very, very standard. But I found mm -hmm. it very hard to figure out sometimes exactly where I was supposed to go. 
the game will tell you like, oh, head south and you'll find, you know, the the dwarf city or whatever. And you're like, okay, cool. And then I I just wasn't really sure where to go. There are some signposts mm-hmm. that might help you, but other times the map seems really uh, loopy to make it last longer. Like there's it's not screen to screen where you can just go left to right. You've got to wander through a maze on almost every screen to figure mm-hmm. out where to go. And they aren't incredibly complex. I mean, there are some some mazes in this game that are more complex, but generally it's just a matter of exploring everything. Monsters will resummon. It does look like a lot like Link to the Past. Honestly, it's that top down slightly forward yeah. angle uh, that, that's on everything and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of, of need well you can't jump so there's not a need to to really worry about platforming at all in this uh, you've got to find ways to get over gaps or around gaps if you find them so it, it again it looks like a, a link to the past it feels like it should be from the very first 15 minutes but it's not until later on when you you get a little farther in all of a sudden you you pick up an extra weapon so instead of just having your sword that you get from the beginning of the game and you figure that's what you're going to use you get an axe or you get a whip, or you get, you know, I think there's eight different weapons, and yeah. they all are very different in how they attack. They have, you have to not worry about just leveling your own character up, because you have a level in this game, like any other RPG, but you also have to level up the weapon skill with your character, which is, is earned by using those weapons over and over again. There's no quick way to level up a weapon. Uh, I mean, outside of using the weapon over and over again. Uh, you have to also power up those weapons. You find a blacksmith later who helps you, you know, level up each weapon if you get the right items to do it. And you also have to worry about, you know, your personal levels. You have kind of three levels for just the physical combat in this game. And once you get the other characters, they also have to worry about their skill levels with each weapon to make them as effective as possible. So there's a lot mm-hmm. to juggle here with, from what at first looks like a very, very straightforward, uh, you know, kind of action game. I will say, like, what when you mentioned, like, the whole map and, and getting around... It is, um, especially that first kind of area of the whole game, uh, before you move on to the the next area. It is, it's it's pretty large to to try to get around in, and uh, like you said, like no one is really telling you exactly where you need to go. And you know they may say, well, this city is south, and there's like a ton of different like paths that lead off down south. You know, and it it, it can be really hard to to get uh, I don't know get your bearings, I guess. Uh, when you're, whenever you first play it, but it's it's still I always thought it was very fun to roam around in and just kill things in and um, but there were definitely times when I, when I got lost uh, just moving around that map, even playing it now, uh, trying to get up to or um, down to that first city uh, that you have to go or first town where you meet the girl. I got lost and I I, I could not figure out where I was going. So yes, it is it is a problem, and there's not really a, a map that you can pull up that that kind of shows you where you know what path you need to take. It's mm-hmm. it's really just a the one that's there is kind of this weird mode seven map that really just shows you the top top topography topography. Oh uh, yeah, uh, and uh, it does not do a good job of of showing you what where you need to go from that. No. So, uh, but yeah, that's that is a thing that that does happen. You can't see it from the beginning. You can only mm-hmm. see it once you, you use the cannon, which is kind of the mm-hmm. early way to get from place to place fast. And in some places, some, some cases in the game, the only way to get to the next place is to take these cannons that shoot you across the map. And that's where they do that Nintendo guarantee. You know, Nintendo must have Mode 7 in this game. And that, mm. that's where it is. You shoot up in the air, and the the, the map itself is this big, flat, spinny map that, <laughs> that gets bigger as you get close to it. You'll know exactly what it is when you see it. It's on every single Super Nintendo game. Yes. Uh, it, but it's... Even with that map, I didn't mind that it it wasn't super helpful because by the time you can really use it, you kind of know how things are laid out. 
you've been around, you've had to explore enough. I, I agree with Jeremy, it is fun to wander through these maps and kill things. Um, this is much like a, a, a Japanese RPG in that you do have to kind of wander around and kill things. It's not extremely grindy, but, and I compare this a lot to the Ease series, if you don't take your time getting from point A to point B, you're going to be underleveled for the boss at point B. You don't need to stop mm. and grind and yeah. stay in the end. You can, and that's a, a way that they actually recommend in the book for you to level up your sword uh, abilities and things. Is to stay in the end because you can rest there, you get healed and whatever for fairly cheap. Then wander around, use your weapons a bunch, come back and heal. Same with magic. When you get magic in the game, you have to level that up as well. And they, they kind of recommend the same thing in the manual. But other than that, there, there's really no need to grind. But if you rush to get from point A to point B, you're going to get to a boss and it's going to destroy you. That happened to me. Mm. There's a, a point in the game where you finally get three people in your party. So you have what, what seems like a standard RPG-sized party of three people. And the first real boss I had to fight at that point just... I mean, they, they, the boss had a magical fire attack, and it killed everybody in one hit. Like, it wasn't like, oh, everyone's almost dead, you can heal them back. It did more damage than I had life total, and I thought, oh, no, I've done something horribly wrong. I've gone to the wrong place, or I forgot to put armor on, or something ridiculous. No, no, I'm exactly where I needed to be. I just was so... Uh, and partly because this is for uh, the podcast, I was trying to rush to get to these places, and I should not have done that. But if you take your time and, and get to those points, uh, much like Ease, if you're one level under where you should be, you're going to have a massive problem. But if you're the exact level to two levels that are in the good range, you'll have a good challenging fight. And then after that, you'll kill the boss without even thinking about it. So if you do take the time to grind up your abilities, to grind up a few levels, you're going to find that you're not going to have any problem with this game. It's not a difficult game at all. It's an interesting game, has some interesting mechanics, but as long as you can wrap your head around the timing of your attacks and kind of how you have to manage all your party members at once to be effective, uh, you're not going to have a problem with this game as far as needing to power level. No, and that's one thing I actually really enjoyed about it, coming from like games like Final Fantasy VI and, well, pretty much all the Final Fantasy games uh, that I'd played up to that point. Like They really focused on doing a lot of grinding. And I just expected that's what I was going to have to do in this game. But it's, it, you know, a combination of me getting lost over and over and going back through and, and actually taking the time to kill the enemies that respawn. They don't just, you know, once you go off the screen and come back, they're there again. Um, if, you just, if you just kill enemies on your first time through, you're fine. If you get lost like me and have to kill them two or three times, you're better than fine. Uh, you can get through the game t totally easy. You know, it's it's kind of uh, rewarding my stupidity of not being able to get around the map. <laughs> so this is definitely a game that that rewards you. Uh, you know, if you do want to grind more than what uh, you know other games would, where you mm. it, it's almost required. Uh, don't even get me started on that second half of Final Fantasy VI and the amount of grinding that I did in that game. Uh, this one, it's a it's a fun breezy playthrough. It it can be very tempting to run through all of that stuff because you don't have to fight these enemies, and if you don't like the combat, then you know it's not going to be much more fun for you to kind of sit there and and grind on these enemies constantly. Uh, but yeah, just just play through it, kill the enemies as you're going. You should be good to go. Mm. Well, and because you get these different weapons. Even without worrying about magic yet, because you won't have that until later in the game, some enemies are hurt more by different weapon types, and some enemies are hurt more by, and I didn't realize you could do this, uh, as you gain your skills in the weapons, you then basically gain charge attack levels. So you have a regular sword attack, goes to 100%, I'll use the sword as the basic example, and then once you gain a level in your sword skill, you can now hold down the attack button, 
after you've attacked once, and it will slowly build up to 100%, and then another bar goes out underneath it, and it takes almost as long, and then it does an attack that, like, you jump forward as, like, a diving attack. And then if you get the next level of sword, the next one is uh, you jump forward, and it does, like, two slashes. And, and these things keep adding on and adding on. You can use all of them because it's about time. It's not about once you get level three, you no longer have level two. It's, it's a time-based attack for all of these things. So... There's some of the monsters that really are affected greatly by those power-up attacks, and I didn't realize you could do those, and specifically some of the bosses really require that you uh, you either are overpowered or you are using those charge attacks effectively. So that, that once I realized, oh, I, I missed a major mechanic by not reading any sort of manual when I started this, uh, there's, there's a lot to fighting these little monsters. Even though you're going to fight the same you know, four or five in, in this section of the map, for example, they may at all four have different attack styles that will really be effective against them. So you have to kind of keep switching, yeah. switching your material, your, switching your equipment back and forth while you fight. And I thought that at first was tedious, but especially as the game went on, that's something I really grew to like. So we mentioned. I guess my my uh, biggest complaint about those charge attacks. Uh, is they really kind of go overboard with them because there are some, mm. once you start leveling them up, yes. it isn't just letting it, uh, you know, charge up that one time. You have to sit there and let it charge up two or three times. Oh, yeah, yeah, it takes to, forever. To get the uh, the maximum amount of damage out of that. And that, in a game where you're fighting, like, bosses and stuff like that that's just jumping all over the place and attacking you, that seems like an eternity. Um, it's kind of like in Final Fantasy VII Remake when I try to... Uh, fire off any sort of magic that isn't just level one it just seems to take forever <laughs> when it's only maybe like three seconds yeah but yes i i've never been a fan of charging that up and just sitting there and listening to it just like rant 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 this forever and uh so i usually just ended up using like one level of it and then just letting it fly because i just don't have the patience for the rest of it yeah oh that's the thing that's that's the word this came from me uh I, I get more and more impatient as time goes on. So this game for me was was a, a little bit of a personal challenge. Um, I'm fine. I, you know, the menus on here, the, there's a lot of damn radial menus, which you you come to appreciate radial menus nowadays with the, with the analog stick. Um, don't recommend it with the D-pad. That, you know, charging things up, just a little couple seconds here and there. Uh, if anything, you know, the first few hours of playing through this thing, I, I, I and I hate to say it, but my patience with the gameplay at least was really wearing thin. Uh, fortunately, it's not. It's it's a nice looking little game. It's an excellent sounding game, and the story is you know it, it's there. It, it's not the most in depth in the world, uh, but that's what kind of kept me around because the gameplay for me. Uh, still, you know, by the time I, I put number of hours into this thing and I was still, I was kind of still put off with the gameplay in general. Uh, you know, even the last time I, I, I cut it off and, and jumped on here. You know, after playing fantasy star online two, uh, for that one horrible week, a few weeks ago, yes. uh, th this radio menu is, uh, is, is so, so lovely. Uh, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Not having to go into a menu and go through several different submenus to find the one damn thing that I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, this was pretty, uh, pretty cool back in the day. Just being able mm -hmm. to pull up that radio menu. Time stops, so you don't have to make too much of a, you know, you don't have to hurry. Yeah. But when you're doing it, you know, there, there are kind of like, you go in and out of the. There's multiple of these ring menus to go into, like your weapons and changing out things and stuff like that. But still. 
you don't leave the screen. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was really cool that everything that I needed was right in this little ring. And once you get used to it, like you can navigate that thing hell of quick. Mm. Yeah, I, I liked the ring. After I got used to it, I, I liked it a lot. My complaint with the ring is is entirely on once you have multiple characters uh, in your party, which we should probably discuss because that's my that's my biggest complaint. And I think really oh it would be if I would have mm. been able to play it with someone like you did, Jeremy, I probably would have a completely different feeling about the extra characters in this game. Uh, so after the first couple missions or whatever you want to call it, first couple steps of your journey, you get uh, some companions. Uh, the companions are, you can take control of them if you want to, but then your main character becomes an AI instead of you. So you kind of want to make it so you never have to change who you are, in my opinion. Maybe that's not the right way to play this. That's how I've been playing it and having the most fun. Uh, you have a grid screen that shows up in the menu system for when you get these companions that kind of says if they'll be more or less aggressive and if they're going to use ranged weapons or ranged attacks or close attacks. I wanted them to be as far away from everything as possible because I found both of these characters, while you can find a way to tweak them to be effective, and I did eventually hit kind of that sweet spot where I I was like, I kind of like these guys now, but it took me probably hours of babysitting to get them to the right levels and the right places and having the right skills for that to work. But otherwise, at first, they just if you make them too aggressive, they just run at enemies and die. When they're dead, they don't get experience, so if you're in the middle of something, you have to either... You have a resurrection item, and you can get some fairly easily, but they're expensive early on. Or just keep leveling your main character, and these get weaker and weaker over time because you're not using them. <laughs> I mean, I, I do not understand the the way the AI is, is built at default. Like, I had to go in and really tweak it to say, like, stay away from everything. And here, only use ranged weapons. I'm only going to give you mm-hmm. these ranged weapons to work on. You're never going to have a sword or a melee weapon, so don't even pretend to hold them. You're, you're just going to work on, you know, pole arms and whatever it is that can get you as far away from the enemy as possible. Did you find that they got stuck an awful damn lot? Oh, too? yeah. Yeah, they try to find like they have Like, they have no... Uh, it's like, take two... Like, two depressed friends of yours that their sense of self-preservation is completely gone. They don't care, you know. And, uh, go out on a venture, and they're fucking, you know, stuck in traffic. They're banging their heads against fucking walls. It's a nightmare. You know, navigating with these people. Um, ooh, I wish, you know, that they, if you weren't battling, I just, you know, I, even when you are, I just wish, I wish they weren't there. You know, I, I, I love the solo adventure. And yeah, I think it is a matter of co-op and, or not. Because my, my friend and I, we had a blast with it, you know, when we would we'd play this together. Um, but geez, uh, just trying to control these, or trying to wrangle these other allies of yours in is a task. And I find it was interesting. I think this, um, well, I mean, I, I've seen it elsewhere because I didn't play this one initially. I, I, this is like one of the earliest games I would have encountered. Um, if I had seen this little menu before where you can kind of set the personality or not personality, but like the, the, the fighting style and whatnot of your, your partners on there. And I've seen it many other time in many other games, and I never think it does a damn bit of good. I still feel like they kind of just do their own thing. Uh, the only thing is, like Jeremy P. said, you can kind of have them hang back. But yeah, I, I just, these allies of yours, um, I, I don't think this is one of those instances where they really make, you know, besides various spells and whatnot, I, I don't feel like they make 
the fights, uh, they don't make them easier for you. They're, they're not there to, to help you out all the time. Yeah, and like I said, I was lucky enough to be able to play this entire game with my cousin. So we only had to deal with one uh, of the AI. And that wasn't great either. So I can only imagine like playing this game as, as with just the two AI characters. Um, it's <laughs> they don't do like Billy said. They don't do a good job of trying to keep themselves alive. And even when you change their their attack uh, patterns of being more defensive or offensive uh, in the one of the settings menus, it doesn't help much. It doesn't seem like it helps much. It always seems like they're doing the exact opposite of what you want them to do, and. It's it's just a it's just bad AI. I'm not sure why Square wanted to do it this way. I, this is a multi-tap game, so you can literally play this with two other friends, um, every, with you know everybody playing a different character, which that sounds ideal. But good luck getting you know two other people to sit around mm-hmm. with you to play a good forty-hour-long mm-hmm. JRPG, no matter how fun it is. Luckily, my cousin was way into it, so you know we made it through. But yeah. Yeah, this this isn't good AI. It's really really bad, especially like on the um, in some of the screens where you scroll to another screen and they are stuck on the other side of a path that you actually have to scroll back, like go backwards to get them back on the right track, and just getting them on the right path sometimes to get with the gang of where you need to go is is not easy. So this is by far, I think, the worst part about this entire game. Uh, the AI is. Very make it or break it. If you can deal with it, if you can babysit them enough, if you can switch the characters around enough, uh, you know, to get them where they need to go, and pray they just completely just you know die over and over and over in a battle, then hey, there you go. Or if you know, do like I did and find some poor family member to sit there and play with play with you for the entire time. Well, like I said, I did find a sweet spot for both of them, which was fairly defensive, not completely defensive. Uh, and and just using ranged weapons. I would only give them ranged weapons because you do need them. Not only is it, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't want to be lonely, but not just that, you, you need them to cast spells. Your main character has no magical spell ability, so the two companions you get, and, and I'm not naming them because they don't have names. No one in this game that you play has a name that's like called Hero and Companion 1, Companion 2. You name them what you want in the game. So in my name, my game, of course, they're like fart, button, poop. Doesn't matter, but mm, the, you know. So that yeah, I'm a child. It's very smart. So so they, when you find, and they don't start with magic. So when you first have all three of them, they're just wandering around doing bad melee attacks and bad range attacks, and you're like, why, why do I have them? They're terrible. <laughs> Once you get a little farther in the game, you can save these elementals or or re- recruit these elementals to help you, and they give each of these characters. A set of spells. So if you get the first one, you get I believe is uh, the ice one. At least for me, it was. I think there's a little bit of 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 kind of go where you want in certain steps of the game, but generally you're kind of still on a path that might branch and come back together. So I had the ice elemental first the, that gave me some spells, and then the 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 one companion really has all offensive spells, and the other companion seems to have all defensive spells, including your first heal spell, which you will definitely want to use. Uh, you have healing items that can heal you as well but they're limited you can only hold five in your inventory at a time so it's not like final fantasy we're going to stock 99 of each potion that you you have five healing items and there are two or three different levels of healing item but you at first you're only going to get that one level of healing item anyway so you only have five healing items for your whole party so you need that heal spell 
Uh, as soon as you get it, you're like, oh, this is great. Now I'm, I can last a lot longer. I don't have to run back to this inn over and over again to heal. It's really nice. So at first I didn't use the offensive spells really at all until I got to the first boss when I was at the proper level and he wasn't killing me in one hit. And then you're like, oh, yeah, this boss is a, is a fire boss. I've got these ice spells I just learned. I bet they're going to be great. And at that point, I realized the game, for me, for most of these bosses, it's find out what their elemental weakness is uh, or, or what, you know, elemental that they will be the most effective with. And then I just would dance around with my main character and, and heal as much as I could and just let that person become a cannon. That, that seemed to be my, my method through most of these bosses. Uh, the bosses mm. in this game are... They're not hard, but again, if you're not the right level, they will they will hurt you a lot more than you're prepared for. And then, if you're too high of a level, you'll you'll destroy them pretty quickly. But some of them, if you're if you don't have the right attack ready, if you're not thinking ahead, say, I mean, this it's obvious a big fire boss is gonna be hurt by ice. That's pretty easy. But if you don't think that way and you're just using arrows or whatever, these bosses can take forever. Yeah, especially if you yeah, like you said, if you're just swinging at them, uh, they're they don't go down quick. Uh, the only real way to kill them with your weapons is to just do those charge attacks, like charge up all the way and then hope that you hit them. Hope they don't jump to another place on the fucking map, which they do a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, magic is definitely the way to go because it's generally always just an, whenever you cast it, it will hit them. It's not like it's flying across the screen or anything like that. So that that is definitely the way to go. And that is by far the best use of the AI is just use them as your your shooty people, shooty magic people, and mm-hmm. and you should be good to go once you do that. Well, they don't do that on their own. So no, even though they are AIs, them. you have to tell them, hey, I want you, you don't have to switch them, you can, at least can can switch to their wheel and then yeah. tell them to cast a spell, and you know, as soon as you tell them to cast, it goes back to you. It's not that bad. I, I didn't mind that at all. I actually kind of like that. It, and, I mean, it doesn't play anything like this, but it's actually very very close to kind of how you play Final Fantasy VII Remake, where you control Cloud most of the time, and you can switch to somebody else, but most of the time you don't. And when you need to, you switch them real quick, you do the thing or two you want them to do, and then you switch back to Cloud. It's a lot like that in this, where you feel like the other people with you are there for you know you to give occasional guidance to, and they'll do their own thing. The difference is in Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, they actually do useful things. Where in this mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. when you leave them to their own devices, generally they don't do anything of value. Um, what I did find for them when I got them in the right spot, I had one with a bow and one with the the pole arm that you can throw. I guess it's a, a javelin, and they would, I would hit something first, and then they would basically just wail on that one thing I already hit once, and I could go hit something else. So I was able to fight two things at a time with them, which was nice. But they were totally useless attack-wise on bosses. It's really, they're just there to cast spells during boss fights. I don't take this as scientific fact, and maybe you found this too, but I did find one way to make them kind of come to you whenever, like in battle, like if you don't want them around something. And any time I started to charge my attack, uh, it seemed like they would come running over to where I was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just if that was just something that was uh, coincidental or whatever, but it seemed like any time I wanted them to run over to where I was, I could just put that charge attack down and both of them would start start running over. Hmm. That that does make sense. I didn't notice that at the time, but now that you mention it, that that does kind of work out to how it was working for me. But again, for especially boss battles, I wasn't charging up too often unless there was no elemental weakness I could do. I just I was there to, to bother <laughs> and, and draw attacks so that they could run around and cast spells when I needed them to. Um, you know, that's that's really what you focus on during the game is those things, making sure you level up your characters, making sure you level mm-hmm. up your weapons, level up your weapon skills so that they get those different charge attacks, and 
you're leveling up your magic. You also have to make sure you use your magic attacks enough. Uh, and it doesn't have to be an attack. It can be a, a support skill. But as you use your magics, you can kind of see this meter. If you look at their magic um, listing in the option screen, that shows you it slowly build up until, bam, it gets a, a new level and it's more effective. All these things, I believe, go up to eight levels uh, for each each item, except for your personal level, which goes up, you know, indefinitely. It... it it's a lot to manage at first. Like once I realized, and I think that's why they don't throw it all at you, all at you at the start of the game, and why I was a little bored at the start of the game is that you don't you don't get all these systems. But it's a lot to take in at first. And when you realize, wait, I have to not just level me; I have to level each of these weapons. So I have to keep switching weapons, and I have to keep switching weapons with the other AI because they need to level up their weapons because they are doing the charge attacks. Uh, they aren't doing magic, but they do the charge attacks when they're on their own. And I also have to make sure I use their their magic enough, uh, which. Their magic pool is not large, so that's the one time I found where I was kind of staying by an inn and grinding. I was making sure they got at least a couple levels or two on their magics before I went further uh, after I got every new elemental. Uh, I also like that when you do get the new elementals, you get three spells each. So it's not like you get a, an elemental and it's like, oh, great, now I have a new fire attack. It's like, no, you have, mm -hmm. you have three new abilities, and most likely half of them are attacks of some sort, but they're different strengths, or in the case of the support person, it's making your weapon enchanted with that, with that element, or a, a shield of some sort, or a healing ability, like something that's a cool support ability. So I liked that you got so many spells at once every time you got them. And, and this, is not, this is not a long game. I mean, you, you said 40 hours. I think, I think that's over, that, that it needs to be. Maybe if you're trying to get every single thing and you're min-maxing or whatever, you can go that high. But this is a game you can finish in, like, 20 hours without really rushing. I mean, it's, it's a nice short, but not, not a finish-in-a-day game. But, but you'll mm -hmm. finish it in a weekend if you really put your mind to it. And I, I kind of like that. Yeah, this isn't... It's not a super long Scoresoft RPG. Uh, it, it seems like the first kind of half of the game... Uh, where you're kind of in that one place on the map for, for the most part, and you don't really go anywhere else until you find that first cannon. Uh, after that, though, you're kind of moving around to different areas pretty quickly. And before you know it, you're kind of at the end of the game, which has, I, I don't think any of did either of you beat it? I'm guessing not. I've not finished no. it yet. I didn't quit. No. I just, uh, you know, we have a limited amount of time to play this. Uh, and right now, uh, my time is, is more limited than you think when you're stuck in your house. But yes, I have not finished it yet. I am fairly far in the game, though. I've, I've got most of the magics and stuff. But yes, I, I can see that I'm coming to where I can see how it's going to end soon. Okay, because eventually, I, well, I don't want, well, I mean, it's an old-ass game. Eventually, you get a dragon you can fly around the map with. Yes. Uh, flamey, Flammy, whatever his name is. Mm -hmm. And uh, at, once you get that, you're pretty much at the end of the game, unless you just want to go around and grind or whatever. Uh, but then you get to that last boss. Man, what a last boss. I was so impressed by that last boss <laughs> that I actually went downstairs and I got my dad. And I was like, come up here and look oh, at this. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was amazed. I was just like, this is awesome. So uh, just a, a really cool Squaresoft kind of last boss with uh, heavy on the mode 7. And uh, I, I thought it was really amazing at the time. Yeah, I'm definitely going to finish this. I, I, I really enjoyed this game after I got into it. I'd say the first... The first four hours were me forcing myself to keep playing it. Now, and I didn't dislike it, but I was just like, man, if I would have played this one was new, maybe I'd really like it. But instead, this is really slow. You know, you mentioned you have to wait for your, your meter to get to 100. I didn't have the magical spells. I didn't have it. And so I was just like, man, this is so slow. And, you know, you mentioned that first area and for the first part of the game, 
at first it seems really large, but once you know where you're going, you're like, I'm going through the same four towns, the same four spots, not even towns, like <laughs> one temple, a town, uh, this underground dwarf area. Like there's these four areas you just keep hitting over and over again. And I was like, is this the whole game? Am I never going to leave these four areas? Like there's little branches off each one, but it's still like the same areas. Then you do, you do expand out pretty quickly. But yeah, once you start doing that, though, you go from place to place really quick. It's like you have focused missions in each of those areas after that. There's not as much wandering, and it's pretty compartmentalized, but in a good way. Uh, I, I I really like what the game is once you get into it, but that, that first four or five hours to get to where you have your weapons, your magic, and all three characters together, it's a little slow. Mm. It is, and it does eventually fill itself out with, you know, like you said, being able to do more stuff. And I, I like I said, this is a really great game you know a really nostalgic game for me it's got its problems i think it looks great i think it sounds great love the soundtrack on it mm-hmm. um it, it's just one of those those super nes games that anytime i hear <laughs> the music to it just instantly puts me back to a time and a place uh that i remember really fondly and i think that's uh one of those things where when people have these really nostalgic games you know for it, it is forever just a something that they will always love and i know we've covered enough of those that people have (laughs) recommended and you know we didn't quite like so much and uh, i'm always afraid that we're just going to offend them horribly because we we just don't see it in the same light yeah and so somebody coming to secret of mana these days playing it for the first time uh it's i mean you might like it, but it's got its problems. <laughs> I would much, much more uh, recommend something like uh, the sequel that mm-hmm. have, that finally got, well, it wasn't officially localized, but you can find the localized ROM pretty much anywhere. And actually just got re-released as a remake, a very faithful remake, Seeking Nenetsu 3, um, Trials of Mana, just uh, like the last week or so on PS4 and Switch. So I, if you're into this game at all, or, or if you think you might be, Definitely check out that remake. It is exactly like the the sequel to this game, except mm. now it looks a lot better, and it's like a kind of a third person action RPG. So, mm. uh, but yeah, I love me some Secret of Mana. Uh, I'm glad Bjorn actually recommended this game because it's mm. been fun to go back and, and play it and see what it's like these days. Yeah, it grew on me. Like at first, I, I like I said, the first few hours I wasn't sure I'd like it, but I, I really do like it, and I'm I'm sad I didn't get to finish before we recorded. Uh, just due to time, but I'm I'm going to finish it. I like this one a lot. Uh, I can see why people really do like it. It does a lot of the things that I really like about uh, kind of how Square is is shifted some of their game design. So you know, we mentioned Final Fantasy VII our uh, remake. It, it, it has this this kind of combat that feels like you're pushing buttons to do your attack, and then you go to these menus. This does that. Um, I, I've talked about um, shit. I have talked about shit, but um, talked about shit. Oh. I've talked about Vagrant Story before is one that I really like, and that's another, it's an action game at first, and then as you get into it, you're like, oh no, I mean, it's an action game, but I need to really, really min-max all these things, and there's a hundred systems in that. That That's another game that kind of takes this this sort of game theory and works with it, where, you know, you at first you're like, yeah, okay, I get it's an action game, and then as you get further in, you're like, oh no, it's not at all. It's the least action game I've ever played. It's, it is straight numbers and math. This isn't that bad, but I like that it takes what looks like a Zelda game and really is a much deeper and, and more involved game that a lot. I think a lot of RPGs today really do kind of try to do what this game is doing, which is make a good mix of action plus those RPG elements that you really want to keep it from being just another Zelda game. Mm. 
So there was a sequel that came out in uh, 1995 that Jeremy just mentioned, Psych and Densetsu 3. Never came out here uh, until it was released on, uh, I think, the, the Mana Collection that came out recently uh, that has a version of that. And then uh, they did do a full-on remake that Jeremy just mentioned. And then there's a fourth game in the series called Legend of Mana for the PlayStation. Uh, I have never played it. Uh, it, oh. it, it seemed oh, to get no. good reviews, but I, I, have not, uh, I have not played it, nor did I look into it too much. It is an absolutely gorgeous game. But it is a very bad secret of mana game. <laughs> it is just the way they did it, the way it's laid out, how you progress in that game is one of the strangest things I have ever seen in a video game. Mm. It's less secret of mana and more of like an adventure game. Uh, it is just uh, it, it's worth checking into just to see how weird it is. Also, how gorgeous and and you know it's got an amazing soundtrack as well. But one of the most disappointing games I think I've ever played. I looked forward to that game for so long. Got it home. I was like, this isn't, I mean, it's kind of still Secret of Mana, mm -hmm. but it's not at all. Uh, so, I mean, maybe check that out if you can find it for cheap. But, man, what a, what a strange game. As we mentioned, this was a Patreon-requested episode. Uh, this was picked by Bjorn, a.k.a. Mentheon. Uh, so, so Bjorn, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you've picked Secret of Mana, and I have to say, uh, we get a lot of the, the patron requests where either none of us have played them, or at least one of us has played it and kind of like, yeah, I guess we can try to cover this and see if it works. Uh, this is the first patron pick we've had where both Billy and Jeremy were very excited that we, <laughs> that we were covering Secret of Mana. <laughs> Yeah, I figured that after, after a few other games I heard you review, so, and I figured, yeah, I'll take Secret of Mana. It's an old classic game from one of our, yeah, the earlier teenage years, and me and a neighbor used to play it. We, we rented it a uh, load of times, and I figured, yeah, let's go for that one. It's, uh, it's a good game, and not overly long either. I'm mostly into RPGs otherwise, so I figured that, yeah, Secret of Mana, gonna, it's going to be a good choice. Well, yeah, it's it's a good good length for a game for this podcast where it takes a lot of time to play through it uh, to really kind of understand it. But yeah, as we've we've learned with our uh, Fantasy Star episodes, we're not really good at staying on top <laughs> of RPGs, and that's a short RPG. That's probably as long as this game, but uh, it's not as hard. This game is nowhere near as hard to get into as a uh, as Fantasy Star was. A more interesting Legend of Zelda. Yeah, it's like a fleshed out Zelda, more adventure type than an RPG, really. But it's. Yeah, it's a good little story, and it you can find a lot of small secrets around the game if you want to, or you can go straight for the for the story and the end, really. In the game, I, there's enough different systems that it's it's interesting, like the way the weapons upgrade and the fact that you keep changing weapons. Uh, I got about mm, six or seven hours into the game before I realized that your weapons charge and you have the, the more powerful attack. That would have oh. made things a lot easier. I should have perhaps looked at a manual, but uh, that's what I get. Uh, but yeah, even without that, though, I, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the Ease games, uh, but, but this is a game where you're under-leveled until you're, like, at the exact level you need to make it a challenge, and then you're over-leveled. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's a real narrow gap of where you're appropriately leveled for a boss fight. Yeah, I used to cheese my way. In the beginning, there's an inn uh, right about the cannon part where you can go to and from the inn. You just max out your magics and stuff. Just level it up to, well, 
the highest you can go. So I used to go between those, just kill rabbits, go back, and uh, yeah. So I know what part you mean. <laughs> I just, yeah, well, yeah. just like to breeze through the game. Yeah, for me, the, the wall where I first realized I needed to do a little bit of grinding was the, uh, the when you go back to the, the Dwarven Cave and make the lava go away with the, your first magic spell, and you're like, oh man, this will be no big deal, and I was just getting smoked. I was, get, I was getting killed left and right. I got to the boss, and he killed everybody in one hit with his magic, and I thought, okay, there's no way this is supposed to be this hard. And I, I went up, and I leveled just literally two levels, no big deal, and boom, it was already like... I was only taking 20 damage instead of a full life's worth of damage for his magic spell. So it, it is, you know, Ease is the only other game that's kind of <laughs> like that for me, where it's it's like you're a you're one level down and the boss destroys you, and then you're the next level up and it's a challenge, and the next level after that you're just you're destroying the boss in two or three hits. So it it, it reminds me a lot of that in 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 that aspect. But otherwise, this is not like many things I've played before. It really is kind of a, a neat blend between having to control your other characters and give them com commands in combat, but at the same time, and, and maybe this is just my play style, but I find that the when you're not playing two-player, and I think that would be the, the way to play this game uh, and, and have the most fun with it, but when you're playing with just yourself and two computers, uh, I want them to stay as far away from everything as they possibly can. <laughs> Yeah, they have a tendency to get killed otherwise. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I just uh, use the main protagonist and smash things with a sword mostly when I play it or used to play it back then. Then again, when uh, when we had two controllers and we were able to play two, it was a lot easier than, and just have the third character getting killed instead of two. <laughs> well, at least it's just one. You're not you're not having to constantly. Uh, either run away from things, or uh, or, or use your uh, your tro your chalices to, to bring them back to life over and over again. So, yeah, it, it it's definitely an interesting game. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, is there anything about the game that you think we might have missed? No, I don't think there's anything really. I mean, most of the things you discover in the game comes during the story. I mean, there are tiny things like there's an island when you later on in the game where you can find a mallet that you can grow i think it is it's tiny stuff like that but nothing in particular really uh, did you try any of the other games in this series uh yes i don't i can't recall the name of it but i have tried not one of i think it's the latter one it's more uh, what should i call it it's more side scrolling i think i can't remember yeah trials of mana is the the direct sequel and we didn't get it in the u.s until now like we literally didn't get get it in any format other than unless you imported it until this re-release that's coming out for the switch and then they they re-released it with the collection so that's the first time that's been available here yeah i think that's the one but then again i just a friend of mine had it from uh, for an import cd so i just tried a little bit of it i think it was fun but this was the one I came back to. That's one of the reasons I bought one of the SNES classics, just to play some Secret of Mana again. Well, that between that and Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, that was the reason to get it in my book. But uh, I may have thrown a few extra yeah. games on there, just just in case. Yes, might have. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try, try them out later on and mod it so I can get some of the classic games I w always wanted to play on the SNES, but never... Well, had the chance to. Uh, well, I, uh, I don't have anything else unless you have something else you wanted to add in general or, or another comment about the show or recommendation or something. I mean... No, the only thing I want to say is you guys are doing a great 
I think you have a great show here with the podcast. I really enjoy it. It's been a good couple of years I've been listening now, and, well, you're keeping the quality up. Well, thank you. our thoughts on Secret of Mana for the Super Nintendo, a, a game I can totally see why it gets its status as a classic, why people love it, mm-hmm. uh, but if you didn't play it, it might take you a little bit of force to get through the beginning, to get to where you might understand why it's so good. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. I do recommend it, and thank you to uh, Mentheon for recommending that to us. If you want to force us to cover your game, the best way to do that is to join our Patreon. If you do that for uh, for the highest level uh monthly charge you get to force us to play a game and he has done that and many people have done it we actually have two or three more coming down the pipeline we're behind on uh because of the the situation uh, out in the world scheduling has been very difficult but we're going to get back on that so if you've if you've got a game into us at that level we have not forgotten you i've already sent you a message anyway telling you this but just in case you need to hear it again we are definitely getting to those games uh, we just don't want to do them back to back to back uh, as it turns out, a lot of them are Super Nintendo games, but we will get to those. Uh, but again, if you want to do that, check out our Patreon. The link is always in the description for the podcast, and it's on all our social media sites, or you can find it at Retrovania.net, which is also the best way to send us questions you might mm-hmm. have for us. We have an amazing question form at the bottom of that page on Retrovania.net. If you type it out, you fill it in, it gets to Jeremy, and we read them out on the show just like this. Yeah, and our first question is coming in from Carpen. And uh, he writes in to say, thank you for a great podcast. I'm just wondering what your favorite modern retro games are. I recommend Always Awakening and The Messenger might be something for Billy since he likes oh. Ninja Gaiden. The Messenger was my game of the year of 2019 also. Greetings from Finland and thanks for the podcast. Makes work a ton more fun. Love you guys. Yeah, Messenger I had looked at. I think, did you recommend that one to me also at some point in time? I believe I did. Yes, I think you had something good to say about it. So I yes. will definitely be keeping an eye out for that one then. Uh, as, you know, as soon as I break this whole you know, Final Fantasy problem that I have right now. But yeah, I'll definitely be checking that one out then. But favorite, I, I guess we're talking like retro style now that that's all the, all the rage now. Yeah, I guess maybe we should, I mean, is that like, would it be favorite? modern remake of a retro game or maybe like just I guess the kind like of a genre i guess just inspired perhaps um okay well, mine easily very easily is, is damn stardew valley um i have talked about that game many episodes when we were asking what i was playing it's one of those that for over a year now i've been very consistently uh getting on i'll be i'll be at a little bit less now but it's just it's it's a beautiful game, and and a lot of that is due in part to that art style of it. Uh, it you know, harkening back to kind of that 16-bit thing, it's got heavy. It's the best parts of Harvest Moon. They remove the worst parts of Harvest Moon, and it's just it's very relaxing game to play. Nice little soundtrack. Uh, as far as retro-inspired games, you know that that have that. That old school look to them, that's definitely one of them. I love those Hotline Miami games when they came around also. And I mean, Celeste was my favorite game uh, a couple years ago. And, and I don't think many games do as good a job of kind of recapturing that, that old look as that one does. 
Yeah, I've I've tried a lot of them that I, I like to find games that look like they could have been out on on the Nintendo or 16-bit platforms. Most of the time, mm-hmm. they end up being games that technically couldn't have happened on those systems. They have too many things yeah. going on or whatever. But uh, the one that continues to deliver, and and even this year they put out their last expansion for it, Shovel Knight is easily the best retro-inspired oh, yeah, yeah. game that I've ever played. I mean, on its own, out of the box, the day it came out, it was a solid Mega Man-style action game, and then they just keep building out on it to where there's now four different playable characters, there, there's a collectible card game in one of them that is actually quite fun, and there's there's a bunch of additional like planned little tweaks for multiplayer and stuff. I mean, it, it, is, it has been going on for either four or five years since release, and it continues to deliver. So, so easily Shovel Knight. Uh, other than that, like Dead Cells, I enjoyed. I mean, there's a lot that I've, I've enjoyed, but, but uh, Shovel Knight, hands down, is the best. Uh, I've, I actually was trying to think about this earlier, and I managed to find like way more answers for this than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, it, a lot of these just kind of figure into modern games for me now. It's not like they're trying to be a retro game, uh, but you know, I, Bloodstained was you know my game of the mm-hmm. year last year. Uh, totally, basically, it's just Symphony of the Night, uh, Octopath Traveler. Uh, just an amazing throwback to 16-bit RPGs that's kind of been done up to to make it look pretty these days. And, uh, of course, Sonic Mania. But I think that's more of like, you know, that is the retro game. But it's just um, a modern take on that as well. But the one that, that hurts the most that hmm. I cannot play anymore is that goddamn Scott Pilgrim game on the 360. You know, oh, shit. I got the, uh, the PS3 is only out right now back at home exclusively so i can play that game on it i so so i cannot say enough good things about that game it's so good and it's just a crime against humanity that it was taken off and there's no way to play that game now like you can unless like you said unless it's on your your system already and i'm sure there's someone on ebay that's selling like a 360 or ps3 with scott pilgrim on Mm -hmm. it for like Mm -hmm. 200 dollars more than what it's supposed to be uh, it, it's just it's such a shitty thing that you can't download that game because it was so good. I absolutely love that game. All right, our next question is coming in from well Celeste. I don't think this is the video game, but she's writing in to say thanks for the great content. Hello guys, I've been a listener since the middle of 2019, and I was curious whether any podcasts discuss Earthbound. And I was delighted to discover you discuss not only this title, but Yoshi's Island, Banjo-Kazooie, and other Mm -hmm. Nintendo titles from my childhood. I appreciate your dedication and really enjoy the fun banter among you three. I know how hectic life gets, and you all manage to provide solid content. I enjoyed your Patreon during the free promotion and and will be sticking around for a long time. I may have missed this in a previous episode, but how did you guys meet? What gave you the idea to create a retro video game podcast in the first place? Keep up the great work. Uh, you know, I'd like to say before I answer the question that uh, we did decide, and by we I mean me, uh, we're not going to charge for May again. <laughs> so the free trial on the, the, the bonus episodes on our Patreon will continue mm-hmm. till June 1st. So if you are still on the fence or, or we're like, oh, I, I was going to do it, but I waited until the last minute, you have a whole nother month now to, to join up at the, the $5 rate, the Super Retrovaniac rate, to get access to all of our recorded bonus episodes you can sit at home and blow through them in a couple days and then unsubscribe that's your choice uh, but if you choose to stay on we would definitely appreciate it so thank you for deciding you you want to stay on uh, we, we do enjoy doing them um, you know I, we knew each other from uh, other websites we had worked on before I, I, in the 
2000-2001, I had had my own website uh, that was just a, a general video game and movie review website. It, it thankfully is no longer around. Uh, and then when I left that, I gave all that material and some new things I wrote over to, to Jeremy, and we did the same thing uh, on a set he had already owned that's been around for longer. Yeah, we've we've known each other for quite a while at this point. Yeah, so it's not it's... like we just, you know, met up on the, you know, a, a few years ago at a random Burger King or something. I rolled up to somebody who's like, hey, you want to do a video game podcast? Uh, that isn't how that works. But yeah, we uh, we worked on a website for, for about 10 years or so. Mm. And uh, then I think over time, towards the end especially, uh, we were we found ourselves writing more and more about video games because that was, you know, that's our hobby. And that we just kind of decided to, to do that, uh, you know, kind of just ditch everything else and, and focus on the video games and uh, awkwardly started a podcast. And here we are, like 400 episodes later, still doing it somehow. So awkwardly yeah. still. Uh, yeah. If you, if you want to listen to that first episode, I don't. Oh, no, I don't it's, either. We uh, iTunes actually cut us a break a while ago when it stopped. <laughs> Stop posting like the oldest episode because it stops after like 100. And um, so I saw that and I was like, oh, no, people can't listen to that first episode. It was more so people couldn't listen to the uh, General Chaos episode because we mention it so fucking oh, often. Yeah. But since we had to reinstate that, uh, the first episode also. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to oh. if you want to see what it sounds like when you first start an episode or a podcast and. I'm talking like on my speakerphone from my old phone, and mm, mm. I think Billy's using an old video gaming headset, and it, yes. it was it was a mess for quite a while. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I think we uh, I think we got it together here. Uh, it's here in 2020, maybe. But anyway, thank you, Celeste, for writing in. And our next question comes in from Mason. I'm sure, you all know him. I know we oh, do. Oh boy! And uh, we had to wait to read this one because uh, oh, he's writing in to say, Billy. You goddamn traitor. Hey, now. Yeah. And he says, I've been doing a lot of out-of-town work lately, so I've been listening to old episodes. Episode 20, Eternal Champions, during the listener question, Billy mentioned he doesn't care for Pac-Man. I what? do not care for Pac-Man. That's right. What the fuck? You're telling me every time you ask if I've got Pac-Man, you didn't actually care. I am but a humble Pac-Man merchant. You're killing my livelihood, you son of a bitch. I'm asking for friends. I, there, I, I know many interested parties, not myself personally, because if I was, if I was going to spend time play video games, I, I would play good ones. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I can't believe you don't like Pac-Man. I don't like Pac-Man. I really, I never understood the appeal of Pac-Man. Uh, I thought every time I, you know, as a kid, small kid going in the arcade, I just, I felt like there were so many other good things to play. You know, I you know play damn Dig Dug, but there's there's a handful of better games than Pac-Man, which fortunately people are always gathered around that damn thing. Gave me more room to go elsewhere, but yeah, I, never been a fan. I, I think that was a that was a dark secret of mine that I unleashed on here, and I, I'm sorry, Mason, but you know if if someone asks me if I get another urgent text in the middle of the night and someone's like I need a Pac-Man machine. I need it right now. I'm still going to tell him. I said, I know just the man for it. Let me get in touch with him. I, I feel that's my, my duty. Anything I'm trying to bring you business, but I see that it's not appreciated. I'm not sure if anyone has ever said they don't like Pac-Man. Well, you've heard it. You've I, heard this, it back then and you hear it today. I, it maybe 
I, I blocked out that episode. I I can't remember if I just like went ape shit on my end or something. Like, did I continue talking for the rest of that episode? Because hey, do you guys love Pac Man? I genuinely like Pac Man a lot. Yeah, right now you can get all Pac Man Championship Edition two for free, and I, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's great. great. It plays nothing like Pac Man, but I'm enjoying it. I, I just I can't believe it. Can't it believe takes, it. It takes all kinds. I suppose. Anyway, our next question comes in from Dennis, and uh, he's writing in about the hardest game that you've ever beaten. Hey, my favorite podcast dudes, long-time lister, first time using the contact form. You guys seem like you've been around for a while and have played some of the hardest of hard games out there. So what's the hardest you've ever beat? I don't think anyone has ever mentioned that on here. Mine mostly reside on the NES, but lately Celeste, hey, hat trick for Celeste this episode, nearly pushed me to the point of insanity before I managed to finally beat it, and I loved it the entire time. Thanks, guys. Um, I would like to also put a word in for Celeste. That was an incredibly difficult, especially the add-on that came out for it, uh, that, that last chapter they added on. Um, is near maddening, and I'm still surprised to this day that I got through that. There are several. Um, you know, that, that goddamn Super Meat Boy plagued me for a long time. I, I was able to finish it. I did not collect everything. I don't, I don't care. As soon as the credits rolled, that was it, and I've never gone back to it, never will. I think the game that I really had... The absolute hardest time, uh, not just beating. Uh, beating it was tough, but it was going through and collecting everything was fucking Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Um, that, that 361 where you have to build the vehicles with the part. Jeremy and yeah, I. Yes, yes. Jeremy wrote me into this one, collecting all those damn those jigsaw pieces in it. And sweet Jesus, I had lost a piece of myself in the process. It, it was, you know, beating the game itself was, was rough. And I think it's it's a good game. And, and I think part of it was me, uh, my inadequacies on that game. And another part was just the horrific <laughs> driving physics of that thing. And not really knowing, you know, the, things like the weight of things. You know, and motors and just having to make these contraptions to get from one end of the stage to another. And I just had the hardest time, but I stuck in there. I did eventually collect all of those. And, you know, when I got that rare replay collection on the Xbox, I, I sat there on that, that screen for a minute and I thought about it. I thought about doing it again, but I opted out. I don't know if I have it in me. What was the little arcade game that you play? That was, uh, was it Klungo or Klungo? Klungo, whatever. Fuck that. And you played through it the first time. And I mean, it's, it's bad enough already. It's tough enough. And, but you feel accomplished. And then you find out, oh, there's another one later on. He's got another game for you later (laughs) on. And it's even harder. And it's even harder. I I think we even wrote Jeremy P. into this one. I I think we may be the only people on Earth that actually liked Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. At Mm. least I enjoyed it. Was that a Uh, man challenge that got thrown out at some point? No, maybe it was. I thought we mentioned Super Meat Boy, and I guess we should mention this for the podcast because we used to do this thing where uh, (laughs) we we did man challenges for certain games. And Meat Boy was the first, I think. Yeah. And that one nearly goddamn killed me. 
I, my girlfriend at the time said that I sounded the noises that she heard coming from the living room <laughs> when I was playing that damn game sounded like a, a really angry French chef. And I'm not sure what she was talking about, but apparently that game brought <laughs> brought an angry French chef out of out of me. Um, but yeah, that that and, and Banjo, those that game is fucking hard. Yeah, I liked Banjo as well, but that that's not what I was thinking of. I was trying to think back on games I had finished that were genuinely, you know, genuinely hard. Uh, I mean, for this podcast, we played a bunch that I finished, but that's with save states and things that I'm not going to count. Like we've, 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 I finished Blaster Master finally, but I can't pretend I finished Blaster Master. You know, I saw the ending, and I did get there myself, but with the a massive amount of help <laughs> from save states. But mm. uh, I have to probably think back to the the Nintendo for for ones that I beat and felt really good about because I didn't have you know a game genie or anything to beat those. I finally beat the original Castlevania start to finish within the last four years. I felt really good about that. It's one some people are really good at and and they say oh that's an easy game. Well they're wrong. I think it's incredibly hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, the other games I could think of that were hard are things like the Souls games or or even like. Um, Final Fantasy Tactics, those are all very difficult games, but they kind of give you an out that you get to grind. As long as you can grind and get up a, a level so you can kind of out-level the, the occasion, maybe you spent way more time than you needed to on it, but you'll finish it. I, I think the hardest game that I cannot finish now that I should be able to finish, like there are games that are impossible that I'll never finish, but games that I'm like, I'm so close to finishing this and I, I've got to figure it out is, is Sekiro. I cannot beat that last boss. Oh, I cannot, Jesus. and I'll, I'll go to my deathbed trying to do it, and I will eventually beat it, and then it will be, quote, the hardest game I've ever finished. <laughs> but until mm -hmm. then, I, I have to go with the original Castlevania. All right, I think that's going to do it for our questions tonight. Uh, but before we go, I, I have to bring this in, because this came up on our group chat the other day, and this is specifically for Billy. Uh, we're going to ask for a late-in-the-podcast game review because he messaged this, messaged this the other day, or the other morning. Jesus, I got drunk and bought Ultra Off-Road Simulator <laughs> 2019 Alaska for $1.50. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, this had to be one hell of a bender to end up with Ultra Off-Road Simulator 2019 Alaska. So I Man. need you to tell us how good that game is. At one hour spent on the tutorial. I couldn't get past the damn tutorial of it. That car drives so awful. I, I don't. If I ever go to Alaska, I'm not driving. Uh, apparently, I'm not fit for it. Um, I'll tell you this much. Uh, it was supposed to be. It was, And I went back and looked. I think the title of it itself was so ridiculous, it probably got me on the page. And once I read the description, it, just, it was so serious. And, you know, they were going into so much detail about how, and I checked my phone. Apparently I checked a couple sites for reviews on this thing too. So, <laughs> Your $1.50 purchase. I mean, you got to know if it's quality or not. I mean, times are tough nowadays. But I, um, and everybody was going on about how you know, realistic this thing is. And I don't know if that's true or not. It starts you off. At, at first, and I was a little disappointed because it starts you off just like in the middle of the mountains. No, I, I thought I was going to be out like on the snow. I thought I was going to be on the ice. Maybe later on. So far, I've only been driving through the damn mountains, you know, going through the grass and trying to go uphill. I took a screenshot. I hadn't got to share it with you guys yet of me. Uh, the car is just about, 
you know, straight up and down, straight off the ground. <laughs> and I'm grinding to try to get up this hill. And I grinded to try to get up that hill for about two minutes and not moving. And eventually I ran out of gas. And, you know, and you replenish because it's realistic, right? You replenish by running in the gas canisters. Um, if you're hungry, you run over uh, large pizzas. What? You got to eat? You got to eat all. Uh, hey, don't what? you? I, I don't I'll, you? I, yes, I do. Nothing so, says Alaska and, like and when you're on the frozen when pizzas. you're on the road and you get hungry. You know, you find a, you find a hot dog on the road. You drive right over it, and then you're good. Um, it's interesting if you have a dollar fifty to spare <laughs> that you cannot conceivably. I, there are. There's you could go to the gas station and get packs of bubble gum. You're going to have more enjoyment out of than this game. But if you want to have some kind of evening, uh, probably perfect for plopping someone that you really don't care for down with a video game. Do this. Or if you have a child, uh, an early teen or mid teen that's super excited about getting that license, but you want to keep them off the road a little bit longer. <laughs> you tell them that this is very accurate. This is what it's like. And once they've ran off that mountain a time or two, they, they're probably not going to be rushing to the DMV anytime soon. Well, I think this demands a Twitch channel update on this one. This sounds, uh, this sounds amazing. Playing of this? Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe. You know, I hadn't deleted it. And I, I, I've made it. I made it through the tutorial hour on that. And then I don't think I've covered much ground on the stages. I think it is stages. I think they're saving the ice up for last. Lucky, lucky us. Have a lot to look forward to as we cover that next week. No, I don't know what we're covering next, <laughs> but it will not be Ultra Off-Road uh, Simulator 2019 Alaska. I, I do and not believe what we do. Apparently, that's the first entry in a series too. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, yeah. and, and so, if you don't know what. If you don't want to miss what happens next, please consider joining our Patreon. Extra bonus shows, two a month in between the main shows. Uh, again, I don't know exactly what we're covering next. We have a, a list of things we have to cover. We'll get to those eventually. Uh, but I think we're going to try to find something a little less long than this game for our next episode. Until then, find everything Retrovania at Retrovania.net, and we will see you next time. Not a good night for my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not working good. Bad night for brains. Yep.